Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Coming up, Lav and I talk laminar, flow of wind, interdimensional travel, and the PGA Championship. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Callaway staffer K.H. Lee was victorious at the AT&T Byron Nelson this weekend. He used an epic Max LS driver en route to some pretty good numbers from Tita Green, and it was the fourth win for epic drivers this year on the PGA Tour. Speaking of tours, I know, Lav, you're a huge NBA fan, so this one is for you and all you listening. Right after this podcast, go to YouTube and search for Callaway's channel and the recently released Steph Curry R&D Tour. Curry had the head of Callaway R&D, Alan Doc Hocknell, show him how Chrome Soft Golf Balls, Apex Irons, Epic Drivers, and Odyssey Putters are made. If you're an equipment junkie or a fan of the NBA scoring champ, you won't want to miss this one. Now, we're coming to you late this week for a good reason, and we're doing this on Wednesday night on the eve of the championship. Both Lav and I, we wanted to get a feel for the golf course. We wanted to get a feel for exactly what players were saying about this golf course. I'm going to start there. Lav, you've taken a couple laps. You've had a chance to see it. Give me your thoughts on the ocean course at Kiwa Island. Well, I just looked into this Zoom camera um, and finally got a look, my first look at my hair uh, for the day. And if it's any indication of what the players are facing this week my hair is is all over the place why how did no one say anything to me today i've got i've got hair pointing four different directions i got up down left right but but everybody has the same hair i was i was doing a hit today for for one of the live froms and my hair was all over the place and everyone's hair looks the same let's just call it kiwa hair i mean it's it's the way everything's going to look this week you're going to look a little disheveled you're going to look like you just walked off a bus and you took a red eye home it's not going to be pretty, but this is where we're at. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hair is so messy. Some of the angles when you're walking in the wind are, are certainly not going to be flattering uh, with, with the shirt being so so pressed against your your upper body. Um, and I, I, I know I know the weather forecast is calling for, for 8 to 12 mile an hour, a, a steady breeze. There is absolutely no chance that that is accurate. They are not measuring that on the dunes where I think you have nine oceanfront holes. Uh, here on the ocean course here at, at Keough Island, there is zero chance that it is not humming a steady 20 miles an hour all day, every day. I don't know if that's where you're going with this, but that's laminar flow of wind. You were in the press conference with Bryce. Are you, even, pr- are you even pronouncing that right? Are you sure it's not laminar? Uh, I looked it up. 
it could be either. I'm not going to own this one way or the other. I did look it up because so I, I wanted to have at least a general understanding of what I was talking about. And I think what he was saying in his press conference today. This is Bryson, by the way. This is Bryson being Bryson. If you could not tell, that's Bryson talking about the either laminar or, or laminar flow of wind. Someone please, way, someone please correct us in the mentions. And interdimensional travel as well. But laminar or laminar flow of wind is all about the way the wind kind of works its way up and down the dunes. And I think you're absolutely, I think he's absolutely right that there's going to be times when it's, if it's, it's going to be 10 miles an hour and the forecast is going to be right. And then there's going to be times it hits one of those dunes and slopes and it's going to be 20 miles an hour. It could be one of those kind of weeks. I just don't think that's accurate. And it's absolutely nightmare fuel. What these guys have been warming in, warming up on the range this week. It's, it's humming 20 miles an hour, unprotected. You are completely uh, exposed to the wind. It's it's into and slightly from the left while all of these guys are warming up the range. There's no other angle that you can play from. You have to warm up into a wind that is into from the left and blowing about 20. I mean, this is going to absolutely wreck guys for the next month or two, but it's certainly going to be a, a compelling PGA championship. No, there was a tweet tonight I noticed as Rory walked off the range. He said to someone who was standing on the range that Poltz was sitting there hitting three woods 185 yards. And I went, wow, then I can, I can sympathize with that. Like, I can feel that. That hurts for a PGA <laughs> Tour player. But you and I both sat through some press conferences today. And one of the things, well, a couple of the themes that keeps coming up, and I think it's easy to think that this is a bomber's golf course, right? It's the longest golf course in major championship history, 7,800 yards and some change. I think that's a misnomer because I think what the PGA of America is going to do with this golf course based on the wind direction, based on where they have some of the tees, they're going to make it playable. What it is, it's a second shot golf course. And we're going to see some video game clubs into par fours. When you have players like Tony Finau talking about hitting three iron for a second shot into 18, I think you asked Colin Morikawa this morning, like to specifically walk me through those last four or five holes that you played into this fierce wind. It's going to be a little comical, at least for those of us watching. And it's going to be comical, I think, for certainly Thursday and Friday. They're going to have the same wind out of the east, which is what we've had for the uh, the three practice rounds here. And so what you're going to see on TV is holes like 14 through 18 playing, playing insanely difficult. Like, I think it's easy to envision guys going five, six under par, stepping up to the 14th tee, and then finishing their round if, if they've got a good round going at, at at two under I mean you're just you're just going to struggle you're just going to struggle coming home and it's not dissimilar to what we see uh, almost every year at the open championship but certainly on, on some of these classic links courses where you're you're going out and you're with the wind and you can you can absolutely tear it up and then you come home and you're into the wind and you have you know splits of, of 30 40 um, I don't I don't think you're probably going to see as drastic of a splits this week at Kiowa Island, but I think you'll see something along those lines. And so when the wind flips over the weekend and you get it more out of the West, then the closing stretch is actually going to be a little bit easier. Uh, maybe you can attack it and make some birdies coming home as opposed to potentially seeing uh, some train wrecks. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to, to go out and sit on the par three 17th, which into this wind, I think it was on a card, something around 210 realistically playing about 240 250 in the wind that 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 you had uh during these practice rounds you're seeing players if they're brave hitting three and four irons or i should say if they're stupid uh if they're if they're smart you're hitting five woods three woods i actually saw a couple of drivers 
Um, and so they're just taking a little bit off it and trying to hit a cut. I mean, that's, that's how ridiculous you're going to, you're going to have some of this closing stretch. And Rex, what's your, what's your anticipation for, for what we're going to see the PGA of America, I think it's done a great job over its history of, of not necessarily embarrassing the players. Carrie, Carrie Haig does a, a tremendous job of setting up golf course, arguably the best setup man uh, in all of golf. To me, at least you have 156 players in the field. You have 20 of them are club pros. I don't think we're going to see horror shows this week. I think we were asking the punch shot on golfshow.com. What do you think the winning score is? I still pegged it around 11 under par. I think they're going to make it eminently playable and you're going to identify the player who's, whose ball striking is the best this week. Oh, wow. You and I were vastly off. I, I went with six under par uh, for a lot six. of reasons. Six under par. It, it, to your point, though, Kerry Haig is, is the friend of every PGA Tour player. And I think Steve Stricker said it best today when he was asked about what's the first thing you think about when you come to the PGA Championship or how do you characterize as you just take a huge mouthful of whatever that is that, that you have on your couch. I'm not, is this, that's what you're going to do. You're just going to eat while I talk. Popcorn. I've, I've literally, <laughs> I'm literally eating popcorn while you're discussing this. Hey. Uh, but Perry Haig, you're right. He's known in every PGA tour circle as the guy that sets this up the fairest. That was Steve Stricker's take. That's what he thinks about when it comes to this golf course. And he's not, you see the numbers, 7,800 yards, some change. It's never going to get to that. They're going to look at the wind every single day. They're going to make sure that this is a fair contest. That being said, and you just said 10 or 11 under par? 11. Okay. Well, no, I don't think that's realistic. Rory McIlroy won by eight strokes at 13 under par, and that was otherworldly. I mean, he, he beat everybody in the field by an enormous amount. Second place was David Lynn, and he beat the field average by – David Lynn beat the field average by seven and a half strokes. So, and he was at five under. So I went with six under simply because I think the winds aren't going to be friendly this week and the golf course is much more firm. So I'm going to stick with six. You also had a day when the scoring average was, I think, 78 in 2012. I don't think. Friday. Yeah. yeah Friday I mean, you're, you're just not going to get the horror shows. I mean, the temperature is going to be 80 degrees and, and, you know, maybe it's not going to be the eight to 12 that is it's forecasted, but I, it's, there's not, there's nothing going to be you know nightmarish about the conditions this week they, they have the golf course exactly where they want it the greens are not going to be stupid fast because you have to protect against the wind and they're very exposed i, I just think there's going to be the, the potential especially guys in the morning when you have conditions that are a little bit more calm a little bit more benign i think you can you can put up a, a five under a, a six under round and then sit and, and hope it really kicks up in the afternoon no, I think that's going to be – I mean, that's always the case when you get to these championships and you have these long days and you can't have these flips. I think that's a very real thing. I'm, I'm going to go back, and I said this – I might have said this last week on the podcast. Everything I said about this venue in 2012, I take it back. I apologize. Like, everything about logistically, it was terrible, and it was hot, and it was buggy, and it was muggy, and the storms came through. All they needed to do was move it to May and, and maybe have a pandemic. I know that's not a great part of my explanation here. I know I probably shouldn't say that. But – the weather this week is perfect. Logistics this week is very, very good. Although you know, I think you had a bit of a shuttle issue tonight coming home from the golf course from what you told me. But I, I just think that it, it's a great venue. And I think at the time, what I said is if they want to keep having this championship here, I say we dig it up and we plop it down in the middle of Florida or, or somewhere else because it's simply logistically too hard where we are. That's not the case this week. And, and I even said this to Seth Wall, the, the CEO of the PGA of America the other day, that they should have thought about moving this championship to May a long time ago, 
just based alone for no other reason on the money they're going to save on air conditioning costs. <laughs> I mean, I've got the I've got the AC cranking in my one bedroom villa at a at a steady sixty eight right now. So I'm I'm certainly <laughs> I'm certainly racking up the costs here. Um, and and I was I was at the 2012 PJ Championship. It was actually the first major that I covered uh, as a member of the Golf Channel. I don't remember anything about that week. I do remember staying on the island and not having the shuttle ride from hell where it was taking two and a half hours. We, we had a great house. Well, and here's what happened. All right. And, and so I, I told this story last week, I think, but what happened is I played golf with a guy a couple months before that championship in 2012, I played golf with a guy and he was asking me, where are you staying for the PGA championship? I said, well, everyone's in Charleston. He goes, that's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be an hour and a half commute. I go, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. Why don't you rent something on the Island? And my response was, we were told there was nothing available to rent. And his response back to me was, I have a condo. Would you like to rent it? Yes, I would very much likely. Please. So that's how you and I and, and the rest so of my it colleagues. Was, so it was you who, who we have to thank. Yes. And so now fast forward a couple of months and we get there and I, everyone would show up every day. All the other journalists, the, the already angry scribes would show up even more angry because they're an hour and a half into a shuttle ride. And they would be grousing and they'd be complaining. And they'd be saying how bad this shuttle ride was. And I was trying not to look like a jerk. And so I would just nod my head. But I didn't know because I just woke up like five minutes before and walked to, walked to the golf club. Oh, I, I mean, you, you absolutely had to bite your tongue. I mean, that's I, I have to say, by and large, golf journalists are a cranky, salty, conceited, selfish bunch. I think that's is that is that accurate? I think you covered most of it. Yes. That's yes. Yes. And, and so that one really just exploited all of their worst qualities. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you had a, I had a week before Roy ended up blowing out uh, the, the rest of the field on the weekend. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a great leaderboard. It was really hot. It was really muggy. I remember the mosquitoes being the size of golf balls and then you throw in a two and a half hour shuttle ride. It just added up to, to a, a, a miserable experience and i have i have to agree with you rex nine years later this facility this area this golf course it is absolutely spectacular it, it, it really is it is absolutely beautiful and i'm sure if it was hot and it was humid and it was rainy and it was muggy and it was and the, and the mosquitoes were out in full force i'd probably change my tune a little bit but what we have here in mid to late may is absolutely spectacular. The golf course that they're presenting to these players this week is is absolutely pristine. This is one of the most excited I've been for major championship in a long time because honestly, I have no idea what to expect. And I think the golf course can can really shine. Like it's been it's been named the most difficult golf course in the world, um, and, and I'm excited to see 99 of the top 100 players in the world uh, try and tame it at least to some extent. I'm going to try to get us back on budget here simply because we got a little on a tangent back to 2012 and all the golf rider issues that we run into. But I want to circle back around to you sat through Bryson's press conference. I read transcript and there was a lot to unpack in that one. And it had to do with the, whatever you want to say, laminar. We don't know. Is it laminar? 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 Laminar. I'm going to say not laminar. There's, There's no O in there. Laminar? I don't know how the A is. is a, Maybe it's is a, a soft A. Is that a soft, I don't know. That a soft A? Uh, interdimensional travel was also something else that he brought up. And he talked at length about the idea that his power could 
big, big quotation marks around the quote could, could be a huge factor this week. And I totally agree if I hadn't sat and watched him on the range for the last three days and hit moon balls that once they got up in the wind, and you're familiar with this game because it's very similar to what you do when we go over to Scotland, but once it got up in the wind, there was no telling what that golf ball was going to do. And I just – he's going to have at least one bad hole, and that one bad hole is going to kill him. Yeah, Bryson is, is who I wrote uh, on the eve of this championship. And kind of the, the hook is that this is the most challenging test of his transformation. He has been able to absolutely destroy benign golf courses. He can take more aggressive lines. He can hack out of the rough. He can, he can kind of rely on, on his wedge game, which, which when he is on is, is very, very good. And he's, as we've talked about in this podcast several times, a very underrated putter. I mean, that's, that's his game. However, for all of the advantages that he has, and, and to be clear, it is, a, it is a statistical advantage. He is gaining more than a shot on the field per round with his driver. It is a significant advantage. However, when conditions are this challenging and it is this breezy, he actually has some pretty significant disadvantages as well, just because of the style of his game. This is going to get extremely nerdy here for a minute, but but try try and you know keep just just try and keep keep up with me here. You're talking Bryson about Bryson, Bryson, so it seems like you're on brand, so it's fine. Okay, so he is top five on tour in both apex height and hang time. Normally. Those are very good statistics to be top five in. That means your ball is going very high and it is hanging in the air for a very long time, thus covering a greater distance, right? That is good when it's five miles an hour and it's 90 degrees in Detroit or Dublin, Ohio or uh, Dallas, Texas. I mean, those are ideal optimum conditions for him to absolutely launch it. When you get to a golf course like this, where it's blowing 20 and it's almost always a crosswind and you almost always on every single hole have either thick, rough, long, rough, potentially not finding your ball rough, uh, a water hazard, some sort of Sandy area. That is where you're going to run into issues and nothing I saw in Bryson's practice round today. I just got the golf course uh, late yesterday. So I wasn't able to see him. Nothing I saw today leads me to believe that he has the game to contend on this golf course. He is a very popular pick this week. If you see any quote-unquote expert picks, he's always inside the top five thinking that he could contend at this golf course. I don't see it, and I don't see it at all. I think he's more likely to miss the cut than he is to have a top five. No, and you're right. I agree with you. I, I think in, in our list, and I, I got a little confused with our list that we did on Golf Channel, a punch shot that we did for GolfChannel.com tonight. But I, he probably should have been my biggest disappointment. I, I think I put him down as our biggest surprise because people are going, going to gravitate towards him because of this, the grand experiment, right? Like, oh, well, he hits a million miles, and that's what Rory did back in 2012. Well, that's not exactly right. Rory, of course, led the field in driving back in 2012. He also led the field in scrambling, and he was 12th in the field in putting, and he was doing pretty much everything really, really well. That's why he won by eight strokes. You don't win by eight strokes. If you're only doing one thing well, I mean, you have to pretty much have a complete game as it compares to the rest of the field. That he can also he can also flight his golf ball, which is the sure. big difference. Absolutely. Bryson's swing is not conducive to hitting knockdown shots 
or shots that can kind of rip through the wind. Rory, yes, he he, he hits his drives insanely high. However, he doesn't have to do it every single time. And he has no, that kind of and, off-speed pitch that he does not. And, and at the time, he was hitting that sort of ropey, low hook thingy or draw, you know, I think is probably what he would want to call it. And, and he admits it. Like, at the time, he was a much different player and had a much different game compared to what he is now. He wants to still – he wants to control his ball a little bit more with fade, and he probably hits it a little bit higher. Now. I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised at all that Bryson misses the cut. And this goes back to what he said in Charlotte. And I actually asked Chris Como about this this week. And what Bryson tried to explain to us in Charlotte is that what's happening on the golf course and what they think should be right is two different things that he does this speed training and they feel like he should be able to take that 200 mile an hour plus ball speed to the golf course. And it should work. Como put it a little bit. I asked Como to please talk to me like I'm a third grader. Like try to explain this to me. And he said, what they're looking for is functional speed. And he goes, if he trains and he can get it to 210 miles an hour in training, but that only equates to about 190 miles an hour ball speed on the golf course in a tournament, because that's not really functional speed anymore. Like we're losing something. So he said, what I'm trying to get him to do, get Bryson to do, is to train at something closer to, let's say, 200 miles an hour. And that way we might inch up somewhere between 190 and 195. And then you do start seeing these returns. But I did think it's fascinating. And I am just blown away sometimes by some of the things he said that he's at a point in the experiment where I think he's reaching diminishing returns. And I'm really curious where he goes from here. Yeah, he seems he seems like he's fading, to be honest with you. Uh, I was really impressed, obviously, with with how he uh, performed at Bay Hill and, and I think doubly impressed seeing him at TBC Sawgrass um, on a golf course that's really claustrophobic and really forced him to dial down his his kind of supercharged speed and, and play more strategic. That that's a different style of golf at TBC Sawgrass. In, in terms of, of kind of manipulating his game than what you're going to have here. TBC Sawgrass was, was more strategic. This is asking different questions. It's, it's more, it's more artistic and, and Bryson, God bless him. He has always kind of fashioned himself as, as more of an artist than a, than a scientist when really all of the evidence, both anecdotally and and just statistically su- suggests otherwise and, and just seeing him today seeing his mind kind of go through all these calibrations like the wind is the one variable that he does not yet understand and cannot control and it drives him absolutely mad and so i i just don't see it i think he's kind of at an inflection point with all of this this speed the speed and distance chasing so i, I am curious to see where he is going to go from here. You, you, you mentioned Rory a couple of minutes ago. What are your expectations for him this week? I think, you know, he's certainly the, the, the betting favorite this week. Uh, hasn't played since the win at, at Quail Hollow. What are your expectations for him? I think you just stopped short of doing the great Southern thing of, of saying bless Bryson's heart. I think you stopped just we short are, of that. We are, we, are, we are in Charleston. Yes, I think you just – and I'll give you credit. Like, you can't say bless his heart. People in the South know what you're saying. But bless Bryson's heart. I see what you saying. No, I want to get to I want to get to Rory. I want to get to all the contenders. But I kind of want to do this in rapid fire. So it, Rory is fascinating to me because he's the betting favorite for all the right reasons. He that was a that was a huge victory for him at Quail Hollow. You go back and what he laid on the field here in 2012 is still fresh in a lot of people's minds, and so they're thinking to themselves, "Yes, he's here." But you and I had this conversation in the last two or three days where 
I can give you a list of players, and you could probably make a really good argument for why they should be. You're just going to pour that right down your mouth, aren't you? Yep, that's it. There you go. Just keep, just keep. It's movie. It's it's movie theater popcorn. How could I? <laughs> how could I not? You turn the bag up and you just let it go straight down your gullet. I am really a, just a. I'm really just a fat kid at heart. <laughs> but I can sit here and name you Rory, DJ, Justin Thomas, Jordan Speed, Morikawa, John Rom, whoever you want to say, and you can make an argument for all of them. That yes, I, I can make an argument that they could win this tournament. But you can also put an asterisk on it. You can for every single one of them, and for Rory, it, all the things that you think that you know about him that he, why he should win this week, he'll be the first one to tell you. I'm not there yet, man. Like, I'm not 100%. Like, that victory was great, but I'm still on the road back from recovery. Say the same thing about Jordan Spieth. Look at Joe, uh, look at Dustin Johnson. He hasn't been putting well at all, and I don't know how he turns it around this week. Look at Colin Morikawa. He might be the best long iron player, which is going to be a crucial element this week, but he might be close to the worst putter right now on the PGA Tour statistically. So all of these guys have their problems. Well, that's why I actually think, and, and you mentioned him and kind of dogged him, I think Jordan Spieth, to me, is the number one favorite this week. I don't think it's it's particularly close. I mean, oh I mean Spieth's coming in here with four. He's coming in here with, with four consecutive top tens. If, if you go down the world ranking right now, and we can do it really quickly. DJ hasn't played well in three months, has a bit of a right knee ailing injury. Justin Thomas, his putter has been ice cold. John Rahm still adjusting to hashtag dad life. Xander Shoffley hasn't won in a number of years, if you're not going to count the uh, official world golf ranking win at the tour championship. Bryson Shambo, we just touched on him. Kyle Morikawa, statistically one of the worst putters on the PJ tour. Rory, is he all the way back? I'm skeptical. I think even he was surprised that he won in Charlotte. Patrick Reed, does he have the length to contend at a golf course that's nearly 7,900 yards? Terrell Hatton, record in the majors, not great. Webb Simpson, eh, I kind of like Webb, oh, but he's you know he's coming off a, a, a last-minute WD in Charlotte because of a neck injury. Like, you can go down the list – and all of them have little faults. What's Jordan's fault? He just won a couple of weeks ago. He contended in the Masters. Does the pressure of trying to win the career Grand Slam really hover over him? I don't think so at all, because I think his game is still requiring so much of his attention that, that he, he, he can't spare any extra thoughts of, of oh, I want to join this elite company and become the sixth player ever to win all four legs of the, of the Grand Slam. I don't, I don't buy it. And so to me... It's Spieth and and everybody else. Well, I like Spieth this week, but to my point, it's easy to pick that apart. And, and you just nailed it. When you, you dismiss Patrick Reed, oh, he's not long enough. He's a middle-of-the-pack guy. He's a mid-length guy. As Jordan Spieth is very much a mid-length guy. And, and Jordan's, when I asked, picked, Jordan's picked up – no, Patrick Reed is not a mid-length guy. We can pull up his stats real quick. Patrick Reed is below average in driving distance then like, i'll give you then i'll give you jordan speed is average and yes, i don't think jordan speed is average length just as colin morikawa's average length and and can and i asked colin morikawa this morning you were standing next to me can a mid-length guy can a mid-length guy win here and the answer is absolutely yes but he has to do everything else 100 percent right and i don't think jordan's anywhere close to doing everything else 100 percent right like there is no room for error the margin for error when you're a mid-length guy on this golf course is way too narrow. All right, so Jordan Spieth, uh, 85th on the PJ Tour, by the way, uh, averaging 297 yards. So he is technically 
above average in length. You mentioned Colin Morikawa. He's 125th on the PJ Tour in driving distance, but he has strengths. He's the best iron player on the long PGA iron, Tour. long iron player. Best, I'll give you that. Statistically, he is the best iron player on the PJ Tour. That is that is a proven fact. He's leading well, the tour in better strokes gained approach. Players, but that's all about style of play. He is leading the PJ Tour in strokes gained approach. He is the best iron player on the PJ Tour. And his point was that if everyone has to hit these long irons, that that Colin feels more comfortable standing over a three, four, five iron than. Uh, Xander Shoffley or a Patrick Cantlay or Patrick Reed, whoever you want to put in that position. He's just better with those clubs in his hand. That's, that's been proven over time and time again. And Jordan Spieth, though he may not be back to that 2017 level or that 2015 level, he's getting awfully close. I, I mean, he has made tremendous strides. And if you take out the first half of his season, kind of before he flipped the switch in Phoenix and Pebble and kind of got on this run here. If you, if you remove the first half of that season and just focus on these last couple of months, he's a top five, top 10 ball striker. Once again, on the PJ tour with a swing that, you know, to, to listen to Jordan, it sounds like he's, he's holding on and, and hanging together with a bandaid. Um, when the statistics are, are, are there to support that he's, he's all the way back with his ball striking, his, his driving has gotten tremendously better. He's once again one of the best iron players. I think the only question for Jordan actually is his putter. And it, and it sounds a little bit strange to say that just because we've seen him make so many incredible putts through his career. Uh, last week in Dallas, he was really um, kind of held back from that 10 to 15 foot range uh, on the greens. I think he he would do well this week if he was giving himself a lot of chances from from that particular range, I think he's going to like his chances, certainly, to, to win this championship. But your logic is flawed here. It's a zero-sum game. You can't sit here and say Colin Morikawa is a better four, five, and six-iron player. Therefore, he's going to be able to beat – let's let's throw names at it. Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, Justin Thomas with four, five, six-irons. They won't have four and five and six-irons. They'll have nine, eight, and seven-irons. There is there is an exponential. You think, you think there's a 50 yard gap between Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa? Oh yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to Colin Morikawa, 50 I mean, yard gap. I mean, forget about the 50 yard gap. It's there is going to be a gap, whatever it is, and they're going to have shorter irons. This isn't a six iron against six iron competition. You know that. You have to admit that. But if it's Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa, and I'll even throw Jordan Spieth in there, like it's not going to be a six iron against a six iron. They'll both have 180, 190, 200 yards, but they're playing much different clubs. They're not playing the same club. Club head speed doesn't change from person to person. This is not uh, – you can't compare these two things. You know that, right? You also do understand that, since you mentioned Justin Thomas, that Colin Morikawa averages seven yards less off the tee than Justin Thomas. Seven! That is three-quarters of a club, maybe, maybe half of a club. I mean, over the course of a season, where'd you I get where'd you get four iron to nine iron? Where are you getting that? This isn't it, it, this isn't no, this, ti- this, this isn't Tiger ninety seven versus Corey Pavin. It's a statistical name. so it's going to be you said let's let's call it a six five or four iron. So yes, when he's got when Colin's got a six iron, JT's probably going to hit be hitting at least a seven or an eight iron in. So there is a difference. Where are you getting that? that? Where are you getting those numbers, dude? That's just a fact. I mean, I Colin Morikawa's not that short. Then where is Xander? Xander's right around that three. Actually, Xander's Xander's sneaky long. 
I'm not sure if I have the time to, to pull where it up. Where is right now. John Rom? Where where is? Uh, I mean, I can keep going down the list. Where was Rory by comparison in this? So I, there is a difference here. I mean, it's, it's, this is not an apples to apples comparison. So I, like, say, I like I like I like Morikawa with a five iron more than I like Rory with a six iron. Uh, no, no, yes. I'm not going to go down that yes. road. And and even if I do like him more as far as proximity to the hole, Xander, I li- Xander, by the I way, I like Rory more. Three hundred six off, three hundred six average off the tee. I like Rory Impressive. more as a putter than I like Colin Morikawa as a putter. So I'm going to kill your argument right there. Like we, I think we can all agree that 185th in strokes game putting is bad. Yes, but I also don't think this is going to become a putting contest. I think this is very much going to be a, an iron contest, as most majors end up being, is is who hits the ball on the screws and has control of their ball the best. That's what this championship is going to come down to. And that's why I like guys like Justin Thomas and John Rahm. And I actually do like Kyle Morikawa and, and Jordan Spieth. The, my actual pick to win, if you want to jump ahead here, is Victor Hovland. That's a guy who ap- has absolute control over his golf ball. He knows exactly where it's going. Every single time. I The only question mark that I have about Victor Hovland is his scrambling ability. His uh, chipping and his, 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 his chipping and pitching is markedly better than it was at this time last year, but it's still below tour average, and almost everyone's going to miss a, a decent amount of greens this week. It's just – it's too long. It's too windy. It's too challenging. The greens have too many runoffs. Uh, that is the only question mark I have about Victor Hovland. But when you combine his ball striking prowess with his recent form, back-to-back top threes heading into this week, um, to me, it's to me, it's going to be a, a Hovland a Hovland week. I like JT for it. the reasons you just said. I feel like as a ball striker, and, and I feel like his putting is better, certainly better than Morikawa's, and I feel like his short game is certainly better. Than not Hovland. not the last not the last couple of weeks it hasn't been JT is has really struggled on the greens. He was almost last in the field in putting in Tampa. He wasn't much better. Uh, Quell hollow. He was outside the top 50 on the greens ended up having, and that was kind of boosted by a, by a good Sunday. So I, I, I think the jury's still out on whether JT can kind of be that, ar- that about, artistic putter. He wants to be. You're also talking about finishes 26 at Quell hollow 13th in Tampa 21st at the masters. So you're right. He yeah, probably he's didn't still, have- he's still very good at golf. He did have great putting weeks, and he still played pretty well. And that that's on top of him winning the Players' Championship. So that's why I kind of went that, down that road. Why don't you look? Why don't you look up JT's record in the majors uh, since he won at Quail Hollow 2017 PGA? Not good. No, so I shockingly, mean, I don't shockingly, shockingly not good for the number two ranked player in the world. And I think that that goes to the inconsistency, which I you could. And again, this goes back to picking a favorite this week. The inconsistencies you can pick from all of them, and it's all unfair comparisons, right? So we're going to say, well, Tiger Woods in his prime, he was doing it week in and week out. No one is going to do that anymore. We know that, like that, that's just not going to happen. Like Dustin Johnson is the world number one by a long shot, but neither you nor I have any interest in picking him this week. Um, you're probably right, and I was actually going to say that you have not mentioned the world number one. Uh, on this entire podcast, I Dustin's ball striking has not been the issue during this quote unquote slump that he's been through over the past two or three months, and it's actually eerily reminiscent of what we saw in 2019. You, you might recall 
finished second at the Masters in 2019, finished second at the PGA to Brooks Kepka. And then he kind of went through this listless stretch during the summer. And he only came out in the fall and said, hey, I need arthroscopic surgery on my right knee. And everyone's like, whoa, where, where'd that come from? Well, he hadn't played well all summer. Hadn't mentioned that he was being bothered by any sort of injury. And then pops up, uh, has a surgery, and then goes on what was actually a pretty historic tear um, about six months later. Over these past two or three months, you know, he's gone six events without a top 10, which is normal for most PGA Tour players. For Dustin, it seems like the world's ending. Um, and he came out this week and said, yep, needed an MRI. My, my knee was starting to bother me, and it's bothered me over the last two or three months. He wasn't looking to make excuses, but I think it at least partly explains his slight dip in form. He says it's not an issue right now. He got some treatment. Uh, I think he got some – you know, kind of a, a, a clear conscience knowing that he doesn't have uh, any issues that popped up on the, on the MRI. He says he's good to go. Um, he said his, he said his driving's where he wants it. Um, I'm just, you know, he's showed up with a new putter this week. Is this the one that's going to shake in putts for the next four rounds? We, we, we don't really know. Well, you're also talking about a guy that hasn't had a top 10 finish on the PGA tour since LA. So since the West coast swing and, and, he has won technically this season on the PGA tour and you're going to turn the bag up and just pull it right down your pillow again. All right. Very good. Uh, he's won technically on the PGA tour to continue his string back at the master's championship, but he hasn't played well. I mean, if you look at his results, they just haven't been there. His, his best finish since the West coast shrink, swing is a tie for 13th at the heritage. So I just don't know how you would pick them. And, and to your point, we should always talk about the world. Number one. I just don't have a whole lot of, interest in doing that right now uh before we get out of here who's your dark horse who would you pick that not on the radar and i'm not going to give you a statistical number here this is where we always get sideways just pick a dark horse there's a couple of them no just one just one please nope no i want a couple so the one Mm -hmm. i picked for the purpose of the podcast or uh, purpose of the punch shot is keegan bradley 2011 pga champion comes in here with six consecutive top 30 finishes fifth on tour fifth on tour in strokes gain tee to green uh he's had a sneaky good season um i I think he can i don't think he's certainly going to win um but if you want to place a a bet on him finishing a top 10 i don't think that's totally unreasonable i would also keep an eye on guys like cameron smith who's a terrific scrambler mark leishman who's a terrific uh win player um your boy ryan palmer uh i think could potentially uh, pop up there as well and Will Zalatoris who he doesn't have the rounds to qualify uh, in the tour stroke skin statistics but he'd be top 10 on the PJ tour uh, in iron play it's cool to point out to uh, to Will Zalatoris that Steve Stricker was in the media center today doing some some Ryder Cup captain stuff and he was he played a practice round with Will on Monday and, and this is part of being the captain you want to get to know people and you pointed out that at this time last year, he ranked 487th in the world ranking. He's 30th right now. So he would not have been close to Steve Stricker's radar last year at this time had the matches been played. So it, it's interesting to see how far he's actually come up in that time frame. Uh, I'm going to go with two. I'm not going to go as deep as you did. Sam Burns, he's gone first, second, in his last two starts on the PGA Tour. Sam Burns has the most 54-hole leads of any player on the PGA Tour this season. More than DJ... I mean, more than JT, more than Spieth, it's been, it's been. There's a possibility that he could he could have had, and still might have had, or still might have 
an absolutely monster season. I think there's still the opportunity because when you look at how the confidence grows, and we saw this throughout the history of time, right? When David Duvall hadn't won, hadn't won on the PGA Tour, and then he breaks through at the Michelob event, suddenly the floodgates open and you realize, and for a player with that much talent, you realize that I don't have to do anything special on a Sunday, that I'm good enough just to play my game and I'm going to win more times than not. And I think Sam kind of realized that really over the last two weeks, which is pretty amazing to figure out. And the other name I would throw out there was Matt Wallace. I mean, seeing he played really, really well in Charlotte, I think he talked about it after one of his rounds about coming over to the United States, focusing on the PGA Tour, and at first not feeling like he belonged. And he's finally starting to feel like he belongs. So I, I think that that says a lot. And he plays his best golf in major championships. So I, I would certainly put this in one of those categories, would he would, which he would play well. And we're not going to do what, what uh, Labner is grilling this week. However, I do want to point out that you and I are staying in two separate condos. And tomorrow night, I'm going to try to cook steaks on the oven because I don't have a grill. Give me the over-under on how you think that's going to play out. Uh, considering I had to, unfortunately, buy you some some choice steaks, I I, I, I try to steer away from from choice. It's it's the the bottom of the barrel of of steak cuts, but that's all I had for twenty eight dollars uh, here at the at the Fresh Fields. I'm I've I've honestly never cooked a steak in a skillet you couldn't tell me how to do it i could tell you how to do it on 10 different types of grills or smokers because there are that many methods but if you if you gave me a skillet and you gave me a steak i would not know where to start i don't know how high to cook it i don't know how long to cook it i'm assuming you base with butter what what's the what's the game plan you base with butter i I spent some time on youtube today looking at it i feel comfortable i feel like you know there's got to be i got some montreal seasoning you got to kind of lay into the season. You got to, you got to be easy. You got to be easy on the Montreal season. Not everyone likes that peppercorn. It could, it like could cause, it could, it, it could cause some issues in your, in your one bedroom villa. We, as we came to conclusion today that you've got all kinds of issues, the least of which is that you don't like peppercorn. Yes, that's, that's fair. But so, so when you're cooking the skillet, isn't there a potential to set up the smoke alarm? Oh, probably. Yeah. This isn't going to go well. Cause as I look, to the zoom call at your condo it's much nicer than my condo not to complain again compared to 2012 i'm happy where we are but you seem to have a little bit more palatial estate who are, who are you who are you having over on friday for this big date uh just some, just some tour friends you know we're getting together yeah and they just changed the policy check out golfchannel.com i broke the story yesterday the pga tour has changed the policy that everyone that's vaccinated don't have you're to, not fully vaccinated i'm not yeah i get my last shot next week but but you're trying to kill are you are you trying to kill you're trying to kill off pga championship contenders uh no 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 that's not going to happen trust me it's going to be fine we're going to be outside on the porch we're going to be socially distanced we'll wear a mask it'll be fine that'll do it for this edition of the golf central podcast presented by callaway golf we'll talk to you next monday give you the recap of the pga championship We've all got old stuff that we should toss, but an old 401k, make sure it keeps working for you. A Fidelity Rollover IRA has no account fees or minimums to open. An easy-to-follow rollover process makes it simple to get started in under 15 minutes. Plus, you'll have access to a rollover specialist. Whether you've switched jobs or are just organizing your finances, learn more at fidelity.com rollover. Consider all your options and the applicable fees and features of each before moving your retirement assets. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.